And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. From Envision Financial, Luke Smith, good afternoon. How you doing? I'm better after that bar, I tell you. You're <laughs> having a quick snack before going on just air a, because a, you've yep. been so busy, you've had no lunch today. You know what? It's the size of me. I didn't get this big looking at it, so <laughs> I just sucked that down like a Tic Tac. Far out. Well, aren't you glad I happened to have a couple of protein bars in the drawer? Oh, mate, you're a legend. Because I don't know how many people have walked in the office of late and gone, you're a lot taller than I realise on YouTube. (laughs) I'm saying, well, I am sitting down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know why I've got protein bars in the drawer? Because you're smarter than I am. (laughs) Because back in summer, when we had the bushfire emergency, I was on air until 11 o'clock at night, and I had no food here. There you go. We ordered in pizzas on that occasion. But after that, I thought, I'm going to put a couple of emergency supplies in the drawer. Do you know what? I think I might have a couple of emergency pizzas (laughs) when I get home. (laughs) Well, it's a Friday. It's pizza night, isn't it? Why not? Exactly right. It's Well, pizza, fish and chips, whatever your choice of takeout is. Love it. It's takeout night. You had me at takeout. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's always good on a Friday night. (laughs) Sure Uh, is. Yeah, to go with that other takeout from Uncle Dan. Exactly oh, we're right. not talking about that. Exactly right. It's, uh, See you soon. <laughs> <laughs> now, you were going to bring in one of your offsiders yes. uh, again today, and uh, yes. people might remember we mentioned that last week, but we uh, sadly, uh, your special guest this week can't make it, but we'll yes. catch up with him again another time. That's right. Yeah, we were going to have Mark Peretti from Trinity Law just talking about the importance of wills and enduring powers of attorney, but he's been struck down by man flu, so um, we'll loop him <laughs> back around at the end of the month because he did a really good job the other week talking about you know conveyancing buying properties and things like that so you know it'd be great to get him back and um once he's better and up fighting fit we'll we'll loop him back in nothing worse than that man flu no we're um yeah we're yeah we're yeah just gonna leave that one alone indeed (laughs) (laughs) this week we'll be talking about what to consider when buying an investment property now some some of us are accidental property investors because i had to move uh interstate and i thought well what do i do with this place too hard to sell it i'll just rent it out yeah look and i think that's that's one of the 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 sides of the equation here that people end up in that position from jobs from separations from traveling from doing other things it's it's one of those that it it's 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 part of the course um and we're seeing at the moment with money being so cheap i thought today would be quite topical because the last thing people will need to do is race out and do things one for a tax deduction but two without thinking about the implications and what I mean is with money being so cheap, the temptation is to be able to swing for the fence. Yeah. And all I really wanted to cover off today was some key things people should consider before they race out and buy something on a motion because a lot of property purchases are generally mm. emotional decisions um, so that they can keep the asset and make the most of why they're going to hold it and, and, and the sort of yields that they can achieve. Conventional wisdom would suggest, though, that with the cost of borrowing at such record lows now, and you get a fixed... Uh, loan for less than two percent now. I think um, it, it's you know it's it's pretty extraordinary stuff. So yeah. a lot of people would say yeah. this is an opportunity to make yeah. the make take advantage of that and buy an investment property. But yeah. I'm assuming at the same time there might be some pitfalls there if you don't think it and through. Look spot on, and I think as we've said with many strategies on the show, you need to start with why. And there are two types of property you can buy: one that's an investment that has no emotional attraction to it. And the other one is the house of your dreams that you find every six months. So we need to sort of differentiate why we're going to buy the property. And if we are going to buy the property, we need to think about the net rental return. It's very easy to say, oh, I paid 500000 for this place. It'll rent for 500 a week, which is conventional thinking. Um, but what you need to do when thinking about what you're going to acquire is strip it back down. 
okay, you know what the gross rent will be. But when you're looking at the yield or the rate of return that you're going to get, you need to think about what are the costs associated with buying the property? What are things like land tax and rates going to cost? Because depending on the suburbs yes. that you're in, you could see a five to $10,000 swing, yes. um, depending on how close you want to get to Parliament House. Um, so that's something to keep in mind because that will have a direct impact on the rent that you receive at the high end, but also then the cost that you incur to work out what your actual rate of return will be. So people need to think about their expenses. They need to think about, as you said before, the fact that money is cheap. If you're going to borrow, factor in 1% or 2% rate rise and make sure that your numbers stack up on that to future-proof Well, that's the, the really important thing, isn't it? Because it might yeah. be record lows now, and yeah. we do expect it'll stay that way for a little while, yep. but how long can we realistically expect and rates to remain that low? Exactly. Sooner or later, there's got to be a recovery, hasn't Look, there? Look, spot on. And I think, you know, I have a lot of mums and dads come in and, and, and say, oh, I remember when they were 17 or 18%, and I actually say, well, I'd prefer that. And, and, and mums and dads sort of rock around on their chair. And I say, well, if you're getting smashed at 17%, to then get smashed at 18% is not that much of a difference. No. Young kids now have never seen high interest rate environments and they've been very fortunate to be paid a lot of money to do not a great deal in the current environment. Um, but if you go from a 2.5% interest rate yeah. and it just moves to 5 mm, that's, that's a 100% huge, yeah, jump. Exactly. Now, most people are getting excited at the moment at 3 and 4 and 5% pay rises, but that pales into significance when you're talking about the potential increase in the funding cost of your debt. Yes. If we were to see rates rise at some point, which yes. as we as Well, we they will expect, eventually. We just don't know when. Exactly right. So, again, I guess what we're sort of throwing up here is factor in a rate rise. Yeah. And if you can get the money at, you know, 2.5 variable, can you service it at... 3.5 or 4 and do your math on those numbers so that everything you do prior to a rate rise is just saving so you're, you're getting more equity in the property because you can save. But just factor that in because generally properties are not short-term acquisitions, they're longer-term growth positions and you need to make sure that you can hold them through a, you know, a, a variance in the interest rate. Now, one of the big questions that people sometimes completely fail to ask when they're looking at an investment property, is there an alternative to negative gearing? Well, yes, there is. Positive gear. Save up a decent uh, deposit yeah. first so yeah. that your cash flow is positive from yeah. the beginning. And look, I'm, I, I love that. Um, I, I, I think with the way that the tax legislation has been changed over the years and the fact that now anything over $180,000 is at the top marginal rate, that is very different when you're talking about your tax planning and the benefits of negative gearing than, say, my parents' generation who, through the 80s and 90s, if you weren't $60,000, you were, like, top of the pops. Oh, yes, that was you a were, high income, you were, yeah. You were a big leaguer and you were getting 50 cents in the dollar back. Mm. So negative gearing had a lot more power back then because it was relevant to more people. Yes. The statistic now of people earning over $180,000 of taxable income um, is is far less as a proportion of the broader working populace. So the benefits of negative gearing have been diluted significantly, and I'm with you. I'm, I'd much rather say to people, look, get it to the point where it services itself, throw it on the shelf, and then I don't care if you have 10 of them. Yes. Because you've got fact, your cash flow to then pay them down. If you do it that way, you can have 10 of them. Yeah, correct. <laughs> the, the biggest problem I see with people as they move towards retirement age is they come in and say, oh, I've got 10 properties. And when you sit down and do the math... Of the 10 properties they own, there's probably three that didn't work. There's probably two that went backwards. The rest are all okay and providing a yield. But when you smooth all of that out across the debt that they carry, 
generally they haven't paid a lot of it down and they've just hoped that the capital price has gone up over time. And depending on the period that they've owned the property, that could be very good, it could be very bad, it could be fairly neutral. But they haven't paid it down. So when you actually look at the yield that you would get to fund your lifestyle, it's not what people realise. So yeah. I'm pro neutrally geared. Yes. Um, because then you're not relying on your wage to hold it. Yes. And it gives you an extended period of time to be able to ride through things like a pandemic, um, rate rises, and use your income to then build equity in an asset that could have ultimately then become either part of your super or held in conjunction with super to fund the lifestyle that you want to have when you retire. You've also written on your list of things here to think about, uh, get a loan agreement with mum and dad if they're securing it or lending money. Now, I hadn't thought about this, but a lot of people are in this situation where mum and dad provide a helping hand. Correct. And often it's just on a handshake. Yep. Uh, That can lead to trouble. Yeah. And look, that that was one of the things that I I, I speak about with Mark from Trinity. Um, And and he raised that with me in a discussion, you know, um, a little while ago that, Mum and dad now are the, like the, the fourth or fifth bank in the country. Um, they're the ones that are putting up money, they're putting up collateral, they're putting yeah. their name on things. And I guess we've just got to raise the fact to mums and dads that, yes, we all love our children and we want to do anything to help our children, but don't do it to your financial detriment because of something that you can't control. And I think having a, a loan agreement or, again, get some legal advice, put a caveat over the property that if it's sold, mum and dad get their money back first. It can help protect mum and dad if there's a divorce, a separation, a forced sale or anything like that. And mum and dad should be a registered lender on that property so that they've got some protection. Because I can have conversations with young people and say, look, you need some income protection in case you can't pay the mortgage. And the answer I get a lot is, oh, it's okay, mum and dad will take care of it. (laughs) And I say to them, well, have you told mum and dad that? Yeah. So... I've got a lot of clients that mum and dad actually pay the income protection premium for their kids. Yes. Because their kids are so bulletproof and, and not thinking big picture that mum and dad say, well, I pay two or $3,000 in premium. That'll save me $25,000 in mortgage payments if Johnny can't do his job. Yes. I'd much rather lose $2,000 than the yield out of my super fund. So. Yep. You know, I think it's one to raise with people because mum and dads always want the best for their kids. And when you talk about the idea of helping your kids, it's uh, it's actually doing exactly that if you ask them to commit to uh, a binding agreement because mm. that's how the real world operates. Hundred percent. If you yeah. you know if if you don't do that, then you're not helping them. Yeah, and look, I think again, it's that education process that you need to think not so much worst case, but you'd hate to see your mother and father suffer through something yeah. that's happened to you that had nothing to do with your parents. So. You know, as, as a parent myself, it's, it's one of those things that you want to do anything for your kids, but you also don't want to risk the 30 or 40 years that you've <laughs> been working to get yourself to the position where you may want to retire and then lose the ability or the choices that you want because of actions of your children that you may or may not be able to control. So I just think it's, it's an important one to raise and just make people aware that, yeah, mum and dad do love you, but you should also have a formal arrangement with mum and dad to protect yeah. both parties. Be responsible. Yeah, put exactly. your big boy pants on and, you know, get on with it. Now, <laughs> where, where do we see people coming unstuck when, it's, uh, when it comes to buying an investment property? Obviously, there are some common mistakes made. Yeah, um, swinging too hard for the fence. Um, it's very tempting in this current generation because a lot of young Thundercats out there want to go and get, you know, the big screen TV, the deck, the this house, that house. The Maserati the, instead of right, the Mazda. Exactly <laughs> right. And and stretch it, you know, in a low interest rate environment without thinking ahead was what we spoke mm. about earlier. So 
I think getting too indebted is very difficult. Being too negative on a property, um, we said before that you don't want to be throwing money at something. Yes, you can get a tax benefit, but 95% of the population don't need a tax deduction. They just mm-hmm. need to pay their home off yes. and control their cash flow. So, you know, don't go too far over. Um, save and have a budget. I think people go into things without understanding their cash flow, and that can come unstuck if things pop up because they don't have a backup plan. Um, people don't use offset accounts. You know, we've spoke on the show many a time about the value of an offset account and the power that it can give you as when you start to stack strategies up and, you know, use an offset account. And, and Dave Thomas from Trilogy was in, you know, a couple of weeks ago talking about, you know, have an offset account, get your get your loan set, get your structures right, think about principal and interest or interest only, depending on what you need. I find a lot of people do what their parents did and that's through nobody's fault, but you only share the information you understand. Interest only is not a bad thing where you tie it to an offset account that you can then put money into to pay down the loan. Yes. In a meeting, I'd suggest, you know, from a cash flow perspective, in certain situations we can use an interest only loan and I see people go all pale and start shaking. And the first thing they say is, but I want to pay it off. And they say, well, with an offset account tied to an interest only loan, you can, but you're just reducing the amount of money that the bank's going to take. So people should keep in mind that interest only is not a bad thing. Tie it with an offset account and get a good broker that can structure it correctly for you. And you can throw as much money as you want into that property and actually find that what the bank takes or the the, the interest cost associated with the property falls faster and faster and faster, which everybody loves controlling their cash flow. So make sure your structures are correct. Make sure it's bought in the right name. Make sure you think about the tax implications when you sell it. Having it 99% in the husband's name or 99% in the wife's name because she's earning more money at the time you buy it can cause you bigger capital gains tax problems when you go to sell it because you can't disperse the gain in the same rate as you could if it was owned jointly. So think about the sale proceeds at the end, not just the income of the couple that are buying it at the time of acquisition because then you'll be able to address both cash flow planning and tax planning later on down the road. One of the uh, big pitfalls of owning an investment property that uh, nobody ever thinks happens to them uh, is uh, you might not have a tenant for a period of time. Yeah, look, again, wonderful use of an offset account. If you buy something and you're not negatively geared, it's neutrally geared and you can save into an offset account with after-tax money. Or as you said, you've got plenty of ammunition at the time of purchase because you've saved up for a bit longer. Then you've got that backup plan that if you don't have a tenant for three months because of a pandemic um, or the tenants want to you know, have a cry about something and, you know, it's it's you've got to go and fix 50 things. You've got some money there that's not affecting your lifestyle um, or taking away from other investment opportunities because that's when people become disenfranchised with property assets. And, again, planning and, and, and having a backup plan is a prudent way to make sure that you can get the most out of a property because you don't want to sell it in a fire sale environment because of something that potentially you can't control. Um, it's and- a... It's, yep. you know, so no, yeah. no, I was going to say uh, another challenge that, uh, again, should be obvious, but people don't always think of it. When you buy a place, it may need some repairs and uh, mm. renovations at some point. Yeah. Uh, you need to make provision for that as well. Yeah, again, keep some money in the offset account, mm. keep some powder dry, don't swing for the fence, and don't be tempted just because money's cheap. Oh, last year I could have paid, you know, this much for a mortgage and, and, and spent 800 grand. Well, with interest rates falling, I can now go and spend 1.25. You know, we're seeing some prices in, in Canberra at the moment reach some amazing numbers. 
um, because money is cheap and people are prepared to swing for the fence. I preface that by saying understand what you're doing because a lot of young people walk in my office, sit down, I look at their wages and go, how did you get this money? <laughs> and, and more importantly, how do you live? And I know people don't understand what they've done when they shrug their shoulders and go, ah, oh, she'd be right. Yeah. That for me says I have no idea the depth of trouble I've got myself <laughs> in if anything goes sideways. So, We're talking today about uh, what to consider when buying an investment property. So, Luke, what are the mm. key things for people uh, that they can do to make the most of their purchase? Yeah, look, I think, you know, a happy tenant is a long-term tenant. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about trying to gouge the backside out of every rate rise. I think if you can have someone look after your property and treat it like their own, that's pretty rare these days and it can help to improve or, or maintain the value of your property. Use an offset account, it's your friend. You know I mean? Get your structures right, get a broker, make sure you understand how your loan is is put together and the the vehicles that you have to be able to save into them. Offset account is not the same as a redraw facility. Um, so make sure you understand what you're working with because there can be tax implications or differences in the tax outcome between an offset and a redraw. Um, factor in an interest rate rise. Okay, yep. If you're going to borrow, add a couple of percent, work out the number and, and know that you've built a little bit of room into your cash flow just in case for all of the reasons that we spoke about before the ad break. You may not have a tenant, rates may rise, you may lose your job, you may need to cover it for some reason for a period of time. So just factor in some, some fat there in relation to your cash flow. Um, as I said before, get a broker and understand what you're doing. Um, interest only, don't be scared by it. You can still pay off an interest only loan with the use of an offset account and it's a really good way to manage your cash flow and the outgoings that the bank will take. Um, and just don't swing too far, you know, what do they say, and stay in your lane. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you know uh, overcommitting. Yeah, well, that, um, it. it has been said, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but it, it has been said, you know, if you really want to achieve something, bite off more than you can chew and then chew like hell. And mm. I can tell you, having tried that approach, it can be done, but yeah. it can also be quite scary. It can, and, and, and it can have adverse relationships, well, an adverse impact on different things like how you contribute to super, how you save your money, mm. whether you can pay your kids' school fees. You know, these are all things that, you know, as Aussies, we're pretty positive people and we like to think the best will happen, but it, it pays to have a, you know, a plan B just in case and, Absolutely. Um, and sort of stick to your knitting. The other thing we were talking about during the commercial break, uh, we mentioned in the first half mm. about uh, land rates and the various different fees and charges and so forth, mm. which some people will tell you are considerably higher in the ACT than there might be elsewhere. If you're buying an investment mm. property, it doesn't have to be in the ACT. No, look, it can be anywhere. You know, and the big point of differentiation there is if you're going to buy something in the ACT and rent it, then stamp you in all of the associated acquisition costs are tax deductible in the year that you buy them. Mm. So that's something to keep in mind. If you go and buy something outside of New South Wales, then generally the stamp duty is not deductible as an income expense and it's capitalised um, and treated differently for tax purposes. But, yeah, you don't have to buy something in the ACT. And that comes back to what I said before the ad break about look at your net numbers. Look at what the rent's coming in. Look at what you know is going to go out and then work out the actual yield on a property because a lot of people come in and tell me they're earning A when you actually strip out agent fees, land tax rates, this, yeah. that, the other. Um, the, 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 the net yield on something There are can be, costs involved It can yes. be very, very different So just be mindful of that When you're trying to compare apples with apples Indeed So wrapping it up Where can listeners find more information? Yeah, so, you know As always uh, 62604749 is the office number We've got envisionfinancial.com.au You can go onto the Knowledge Centre um, That's free for people to subscribe to We've got the podcast The Strategy Stacker Where Luke talks money on iTunes and Spotify And we've got the YouTube channel 
So we've got the show recorded, we've got the key takeouts before and after the break, and there's something that you can watch if you don't like uh, reading or listening to the podcast. You can bang it on the iPhone and uh, sit on the couch and scroll through, you know, my ugly mug. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a few options there for people to get a, a, an understanding of what they're working with and, and take some pointers out of the show. And, of course, you can get more information by listening at the same time again next Friday afternoon. Sounds good. Uh, what's on next week? Uh, next week we're talking about downsizing legislation and how to sell your family home and make the most of super contributions. So Beautiful that's a, stuff. It's a good one for the older people out there. Luke Smith, thanks very much. See you next week.